Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't no so, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, the Dolphins lose their third straight game, but Tua's on his way back. The Hurricanes hold on for their first win in the ACC. We have the Heat kicking off Pizza Mañana season this Wednesday, and we have friend of the program, Jesse, with us to recap the weekend in combat sports. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go! What it do, my boy? Bro, I feel like I haven't seen you in months. It's been- <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Don't say that because now we're going to run into each other for like fucking 50 days straight. Oh, shit. We see each other Demi every week, bro. Damn right. You dog. know, but since I last saw you last Monday. True. Tuesday. I saw you Tuesday. That's right. I did Look see at you that, dog. It's, it's been it's, even shorter time. Come on, baby. And time. Bro, yeah, I just got back from a trip. It, it was, you looking uh, tan? Uh, not so not tan, too much, not but too you tan. know, you look you look vacation. Yeah, this camera doesn't have me looking too tan right now, but <laughs> I had a good time. It was fun. Shout out uh, to bo- to the homeboy Gio, yeah, man. man. Shout out to Gio uh, and all the homies that went out there for him, Absolutely. man. It was a hell of a trip. And now we're back, back to reality. Yes, sir. And uh, and we're here. No, we're locked, bro. You know I can't miss this. No, we're locked in, and we're locked into our third straight loss at, for the Miami Dolphins. Wow, you which is there. yeah, dog. You know what I mean because. It was one of the most frustrating losses that I've ever been a part of. Dog. And I've been a part of a lot of frustrating losses, lot, right? Had, I mean, we're Dolphins fans. Bro. Yeah, dog. That's mostly what we get is frustrating losses, right? Absolutely, man. And, like, um, you know, Martin and I got a chance to let go of our emotions on OnlyFans. Make sure to check that out right now on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Like, comment. But on that on that OnlyFans episode that we did on Sunday, like... Bro, I couldn't get over the fact of how everything except for one small detail went the Dolphins' way. And it was one big small detail that turned into a huge detail. Turnovers. Dolphins could not get a turnover, had turnovers happen to them, and that shit cost us the game. <clears throat> and so I, I did, even though I was traveling and all that, I always I got the games recorded. So I, I even if I miss the game, it I'm is twenty twenty two. Yeah, dog, I'm not missing the game. Like I just, I don't like just watching the highlights either. I want right. to see the flow of the game. Like I want to see play to play things that we did and you know things like you're not gonna see certain plays on highlights and some of them are, are important for like just the overall, you know, game itself and the game script. So, you know, I, I watched the whole game. Uh, I was just as frustrated, you know, even though I was fast forwarding through all the commercials, it wasn't that wasn't as frustrating. Um, but then I, you know, I watched, you know, the OnlyFans this week uh, with you guys, and I agreed. I agree with a lot of the, you know, takes that you guys had on there. Um, and, oh, and by the way, thanks for giving me a shout out on the show. By the way, bro, you, you know, your host of that show misses for one week. You don't even acknowledge that he's gone. You got to remember, once you're gone, the level of production goes down two <laughs> notches because it's on me. You now. did great. <laughs> you know you did I mean? great. You did great. But damn. The elephant in the room, dog. Yeah, I, I got people texting me like, "Yo, they kicked you off the show, dog." Like, you guys have some creative differences, or you just didn't get what's the going on here. You were looking for. I'm like, no, we're good. I just, I was busy. I couldn't make the show. So, uh, but now with that said, I, I you know, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff you guys did say. But I know week five, that was you know your big take. You know, you were you were kind of you know um, riding the Dolphins for not having to turn over after that abysmal second half performance against the Jets, right? right? 
where we just couldn't stop them and you know and and then our offense just couldn't produce under under Teddy Bridgewater uh or Scott Thompson then I should say um and this game we had one forced fumble you know by Zach Siler we didn't capitalize great on it great play by him and we didn't capitalize and get it but the defense played outstanding they did and that was my take i was like you know yeah the turnover battle we was lost because of the fact that they got 3 to our 0 mm. so the what were the three takeaways well two of them were on Teddy one of them was that pick that got like tipped up and it was kind of almost half and half half Teddy had water right on the line yeah and then the second one was um, I, I the the second pick from Teddy was late in the game. That was a whole complete horrible Terrible pass throw. and read and everything. Like just late in the game, just at that point the game was already pretty much you know out of hand. And then the other one was the un uh, like unlikely Jalen Waddle fumble. I mean that's the first time we really see him do something like that in a moment like that. So that those were the three instances where they got turnovers. We didn't get any. But the thing, the other thing that that was blatant as far as what we lost on the stat sheet because we won everything else so right we won time of possession bro. first downs yards i mean you name it we won every statistical category except for number one turnovers. the turnover which to your credit yeah i, I totally understand that you, can, you can't lose that and win the game usually that's not how that works out correct but the other thing man was the penalties yes and, and just on our opening drive with, with scotter thompson man i mean the kid was mo- moving looking good uh before his injury and we were just so undisciplined man everybody on that line got a damn penalty even sherfield got like a, a pi call and it, like it just completely kicked us out of field goal range so like early on where we were driving he had some momentum to start the game you know we we couldn't capitalize and we it was us hurting ourselves with those penalties it's very frustrating bro and and concerning right because if we take if we think okay the defense played great but they can't generate any turnovers we'll still take them playing great without the turnovers right it, it'll make it harder for us to win games right um but we'll we can still rely on that and we can still still win with that it, it it's it's mind-boggling dog mind-boggling they'll to- come that's the thing. Like, no, I get not, that we're not, not with there the yet. turnovers. I mean, like the, how the offense, right, couldn't capitalize or just look so sloppy, dog. Well, like the offensive line, bro. We saw, I saw it, Eichenberg. I saw Liam Eichenberg, and granted, he's taking over in a tough position, playing that left tackle spot. But, yeah, something you guys didn't mention. But on, I saw him getting tossed around like a rag doll, dude. Something you didn't mention on the show, which I was very surprised. Neither one of you mentioned. We were without Teron Armstead for this game. Yeah. That's our big, that's our number one tackle, our left tackle, our blind side player. You know what I'm saying? And we didn't have him. The and money we, position. We needed him. Yeah, for sure. We definitely, I don't know how many times there was a blitz off the edge that just got completely misread or completely like ignored and then Teddy got blown up. Yeah. It, it, it was ridiculous, but besides the actual offensive line, you know, looking kind of whack at times, right? Teddy, man. Yo, yo! I get he threw for over three hundred yards and two touchdowns, but let's face it—the the one touchdown, only one of them—the first dr- the drive that he had on the first touchdown to Gasecki, that was his best drive of the day for sure. Besides that, he looked he couldn't he he had no pocket awareness, and every time there was somebody in the vicinity, it didn't matter. He was moving into them rather than away from them. And it's let's be like, honest, a lot of that yardage that he got was because the guys making the catches were making plays. Tyreek and Waddle making both big went, plays went for over a hundred yards. Making on big, day. not only the 100 yards on the day, but like they'll make a catch and turn 12 yards into 18 yards, 22 yards. You know what I mean? And especially in the fourth quarter when we were driving to kind of t- tie up the game, he'll, he'll make some amazing catches, dog. Yeah. Like some real amazing catches. And 
So, yeah, you can see, oh, Teddy had 300 yards. Yeah, but that's because his wide receivers were out there balling for him. And you mentioned it. You and he I made the throws. He made the throws. Don't get me wrong. Not all but of I them. was telling you this before the show. Teddy's arm looks great. Okay, he looks like he can make. He, not that he looks like he can make the throws. The, the touchdown to Gasecki, the first one, correct. He had to put that. He had a small window, and he, he really, you know, he put it put a good pass on it. So he has the accuracy and he has the downfield vision to to see those receivers get open. But man, that pocket awareness, man, and, and that footwork. I mean, the kid. He, and, and then on top of that, he's our. We're down to our last quarterback, and yeah, you, you finally get away. You finally, you know, scramble out of the pocket, and you're running a field. And instead of getting down and sliding. And saving yourself, you're getting hit by two linebackers. Like Papa, you've been coming off the concussion. You've been in the league for eight years, dog. Protect yourself. Slide, homie. Protect yourself. Let's let's forget about football. Protect yourself. You protect yourself, bro. You just got off a concussion, and Tua has been in a three week concussion protocol. And you know that you're literally our last quarterback because Skyler Thompson looks like he broke his thumb. He looks like he's out for the rest of the year. You know, so maybe Teddy has to have that. Wherewithal to say, bro, let me slide here. Let me take this little sack. Let me take this knee. Let me run out of bounds. You have to be that smart because you're the vet. If Tua makes those mistakes in those first three years, like, ah, he's learning on the job. Okay, cool. But Teddy's been in the league for God knows how long now. You know what I mean? Like, come on, dog. This is his eighth season. You know better than that. You know better than making bad throws, bad decisions. You know better than that. We're not asking Teddy to come in here and reinvent the wheel or come out here and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Nah, bro. Manage the game, especially a game like that where the defense did everything they could to put you into position. One small mistake from the defense where they gave up that uh, 53-yard touchdown to Cook. I I, I mentioned this to you pre-show. One mistake. Three. Three, nah, I'm gonna count mistakes. that one mistake. I'm gonna say that we made three mistakes. The 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 first one, like I told you, was early on Noah, the rookie yeah. in that corner, because we lost Nick Needham early on in the game, which sucked. Sucked. Three so, corners down, dog. Jeez. So Noah had to come in. He gave up a big play uh, that ultimately, which was a pass interference. Yes. Ultimately leads to their first score of the game, and they end up being ten three. This was a one possession game through three quarters. Up until the like the last minute, so all the action was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and then the second mistake that the defense made was the Dalvin Cook breakdown. Right, and the third one was, um, I'm sorry, the, the Dalvin Cook was the third mistake that was already late in the in, or in the middle of the second quarter, uh, or the, the fourth quarter. The second mistake they made was giving up the only pass, the only big pass that Justin Jefferson had was on Xavier Howard that set him up for the touchdown to start the fourth quarter. Right. Three mistakes from the defense all day. Besides that, perfect. They 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 were got, perfect. They got three they got 10 three and outs on 15 Viking possessions. Most in the NFL this season so far in any game. And we're in week 6. They forced 10 four punts. 10 punts. And that's been the most and, and, we, and, still and we still lost, lost the, game. the game, dog. That's mind-boggling, bro, like you said. And on the way here, I'm listening to Mike, uh, Mike McDaniel's press conference, and the first thing he mentioned is winning the turnover battle. And I'm like, you know what? That makes me feel a little bit better. You, you know, it makes me feel a little bit better because he's recognizing the importance of his defense being able to contribute that way. And like you said, it'll come. Boyer better bet that it comes and put those guys in a, in a good position. Problem is now we have a lot of injuries in the defensive sure, backfield. Sure. So I can't realistically expect 
right? Byron to come off an injury and start producing immediately. Uh, Xavier Howard played okay this game, but I don't expect him to bounce back from that hamstring injury and just start making plays he, all over the field. Besides that one play that JJX played great. Right? But, like, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to put it on the burden right now on the defensive backs to make plays or, or come up with turnovers because they're not getting the opportunities to. They're just worried about coverage. For, for those linebackers, for those um, defensive linemen, Chris Wilkins had a hell of a game. They need to continue doing what they're doing. Props to them. They Ray put Von per- Davis had a big sack. Huge finally. sack, right? First sack of the season and, and as a Dolphin, I think, if I'm not 100% mistaken. But they just showed the pressure and the class that they can play with week in, week out. Cool. I'm okay with that because the sacks will continue to come. The forced fumbles will continue to come. And we'll we'll continue to get that production from our good defensive line. It just needs to come together, dog. And it will if... Tua comes back, or when Tua when comes he comes back. back. So now because we get- the game is going to be different, bro. If Tua's in that game, that's a whole different game. We didn't, you know, you guys opened up on OnlyFans with this sentiment. We didn't get beat. We beat ourselves. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't win, we lost. Like we should have won that game, and even with a third string quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, even though he's our second string quarterback or whatnot. Yep. But it, it really, you know, it sucks. That we lost this game at home, you know, third loss in a row. But it, it, it only proves the point further that we need our QB one back, man. We need Tua. Absolutely. And we got the great news that he is going to be back for the, uh, the game against the Steelers Sunday night football. Um, Primetime. Man, Steelers are two and four, but they've won two games, you know, two impressive wins. They lost four straight, and then they just get a win this weekend over Tampa Bay with a defensive stop on a fourth down. So their defense is definitely up there. Uh, but they didn't, like, they won 20 to 18. So obviously their offense is having struggles too, right? They lost their quarterback, their starting quarterback, Pickett. Kenny Pickett went down with a with an injury, concussion protocols right now. Um, we saw Chubrisky come in and, and do okay for them. But like I said, this is a two and fourteen that really hasn't impressed. Doesn't look good. Hey, honestly, bro, we we have a lot of similarities with that team. Ah, do we? We do because I don't you think know, so. because their staple is their defense. They got a really great defense, and now they're missing Watt. Watt's been injured since the first or second week, so they, that's kind of taking a hit, which kind of take a step back. So now they're figuring out on the defense who needs to step up. But they got a former Dolphin in the backfield who's one of the best safeties in the game in Minka Fitzpatrick. Yep. They got a lot of key pieces on that defense, but their their issue is their offense. You know, They don't have a guy like Tua, but they do have Deontay Johnson. They do got guys like Chase Claypool. They do yeah. got a guy in George Pickens who's a rookie, who's a stud. They but got you know a, a second-year guy in Najee Harris. They got pieces, bro. But then. None of those guys compared to even one of our guys. Because right now, what Tyreek Hill is offering, right, is just out of this world. And we've seen him blow up even more when he's connecting with Tua. You know, um, Tyreek Hill became the only player in NFL history with at least 10 receptions and 150 receiving yards in three of his team's first six games. That's Tyreek Hill, one guy. And he's the first Dolphin through six games to have over 700 yards. So... We That's we impressive. we know how much the difference. first dolphin, yeah, <clears throat> with seven hundred yards. That's two six games. That's nuts, and we can go down the list of receivers that we've drafted, and none of those guys will ever get close to that. But what I'm saying is that that just shows you how how different we are against the Steelers as far as offense goes, right? Yeah, maybe we go tit for tat on defense, but offensive wise, I feel like we're much better poised with them, especially with Tua. Man, if Tua is healthy and available, then yes, I agree. But you gotta you gotta get where I'm coming from here. The Steelers are always a playoff team year in and year out historically under Mike Tomlin. He's a hell of a coach. They're a hell of an organization. They have a hell of a fan base for sure. So you know, yeah, they've struggled early on but right now we are in no position to, to kind of go in there with with our 
You know, some like, type of confidence. Right. The only we confidence needed, we need, we're humble. We need we need to go in there like this is the first game of the season again, and we've been fighting all preseason and all training camp to come out with a big bang because we're three and three. Like like Martin yeah. said, this is a wash. We're back at five hundred. Now we need to go out there and with this this prime time. Start this is the here. game. This, this is, is the game right here. <laughs> this is, this it. is it. This is it right here, boys. Let's go. We need it. No, for sure. I'm with you, dog. And and if we're being honest, right? Like this is a very winnable game. Very winnable game. The four losses that these guys had, New England, which we beat, Cleveland, who we're going to face and we can possibly beat because they're starting um, uh, that dude, Brissett. That, that Cleveland game was crazy. Right? Um, the New York Jets, who we had a close game with up until the fourth quarter. That was and also like a fluke last-minute victory, too. Buffalo. They got beat by Buffalo. They got by Buffalo. And we beat Buffalo. But Buffalo's looking tough right now. Tough as hell. <laughs> after, after we beat Buffalo, tough as hell, Buffalo, right? Buffalo now. Impressive win last night, too. But all, I say all of that to say, like, the Dolphins can show that they can hang with the best of the best, and we're definitely better than the mediocre teams when it comes to offense. This seems to be one of those teams that we can take advantage of. If Tua's back, connecting with Jalen Waddle, who you know is going to be dying to prove himself on the big stage on Sunday night, and you throw in the... Probably greatest receiver in Dolphins history in Tyreek Hill. We, we have our fireworks back. And an interesting little stat here. This is the first time that Pittsburgh is going to be visiting Miami since 2016. Guess who was the starting quarterback? 2016. I'm pretty sure you can get it. It's Ryan Tannehill. It's Ryan Tannehill. And he led the Finns to a 30-15 to 15 victory. Yeah, I remember that game. What do you remember about that game? Um, a bi- somebody had a big day. That game, somebody had a big game. Jay Ajayi. Oh, that's right. J-Train. Yeah, man. 25 carries, 204 yards, two TDs. That's right. That that's the, what it was. That was the, and I think that was one of the games where he had like three straight games rushing 200 yards. Yeah, and then we traded him away to the, the Eagles shortly thereafter. And it worked out. It worked out for us. <laughs> he had a short career. He won a Super Bowl and, you know, whatever. Let's go, man. Prediction time. What do you got? I got the Dolphins winning this, bro. We Give got me a score. Two was back in the game. We're healthy. We're going to come out. We're going to put up points. I'm going to go 35-17. I like that. I was going to say... 28-10. I like that. 27-10, 28-10, because I feel like the defense is already starting to feel confident. Even with all these injuries that we've seen happen on the defense, they're still making plays. They're still in it. And I just feel like they found their mojo. Got to continue to turn it up and hopefully get that defensive backfield healthy as hell, man. I'm not, I'm not worried about the defense, man. Even with all the injuries. I'm a little worried that, about the defense. That, that's a whole cohesive unit, man. From the D-line to the to, to the linebackers, to the corners and the safeties, that's a whole cohesive unit. And it's still a work in progress for the younger guys, but as a unit, I'm, I'm confident in those guys. 27th ranked against the pass, 12th ranked against the rush. I'm a little concerned about the defense. We need to... we. Lots of time left, but they need to trend upwards like they've started this Sunday. Continue to ride that wave and that momentum. Yeah, Let's do it. Let's get that dub, man. Let's we get that dub. It. We need it. Uh, let's flip it over and pivot to the Hurricanes, who held on for their first ACC win of the season. They end up beating um, twenty uh, Virginia Tech on the road 20-14. to 14. Kind of got hairy at the end, you know. Hurricanes were winning twenty to three, I think, heading into or this, this is this a seventeen is a, to three. Excuse this me. This is a game I did not watch. No, so you, you're going to need to walk me through this one. Tyler Van Dyke played another excellent game, right? Um, twenty nine to forty six, three hundred and fifty yards, uh, two touchdowns, no ints. Uh, that makes it eight games out of his fifteen starts that he has a, a three hundred yard plus game. 
for the Hurricanes and just showcasing what he can do and what type of quarterback he is, right? And that's what we really wanted to see from him in those last three weeks, of right? Course. We wanted to see him bounce back. We wanted to see him get back to normal, and it looked like he did. Uh, my main concern is how the defense plays that time. You know, Vic texted me <laughs> after the podcast and he heard the podcast and he was like, nah, man, you got to give more props to the defense because they do a great job of, of holding teams. And they do because if you look at their, their points allowed, it's it's up there, right? And it's in a respectable range for this defense. But but kind of like with the Dolphins, we I feel like we don't have playmakers that are healthy or available right now for the Hurricanes, you know? Um, there's a And they're young. Right. The defense is led by a, a lot of young players or guys who are talented and, and playing for the first time. But I just get worried, man, because I'm I'm used to team when this team has a lead to the, to the team keeping the lead. And even if the team scores, other team come right back down and put another touchdown up and, and just keep it moving like that. But Saturday, it got a little bit too close for my liking, even with the great performance from Tyler Van Dyke, even with a breakout performance from Colby Young. Uh, this kid stepped in for an injured player. Um, uh, what's his name? Damn it. I had it right here. I lost it. I think. No, the camera went down. No. Um Whatever. He stepped in for uh, one of the injured wide receivers that we had. Oh, Restrepo? No, uh, Redding, freaking hey, man, Michael Redding the third, that's his name. Okay, he was he's been our leading receiver <clears> this <throat> year, starting because we've had a lot of injuries to the wide receivers. And this dude, Kobe Young, just came in and took the most out of his opportunities. This guy literally started practicing late with the team, continue to work, continues to get better <clears throat> in the in the film room and stuff like that. And when he got his chance, he made the most out of his opportunities. Nine catches, one hundred and ten yards, a touchdown with a top ten catch. On ESPN. That's fire. That's a hell of a day for Forget the kid, the rest right? of the stats, bro. Give me the top 10. <laughs> Give me the top 10 That's on ESPN. I want, bro. That's all I, I can do. I can show my mama and my grandma and be like, hey, mama, look at me. Um, but yeah, you know, the kid bald. And and it's nice to see uh, Tyler Van Dyke building that rapport with multiple right receivers, right? Mallory had a good game until he he left with, an, with another injury. Um, kind of concerning. But the defense, when they have to make a stop, they can't. And they did. But they also gave up, you know, a touchdown and a score to make this game a lot closer than it should have. And I keep, I keep, you know, referring to Crystal Ball and, and his staff. Like we paid so much money for that. Like the scheme was a little bit better this weekend, better, right? Because the score was showing us seventeen to three. We were doing our thing, but it just needs to have that quantum leap. You know, I haven't seen that quantum leap where where it shows like ah, everybody gets it. Wait a minute. So the Hurricanes were up seventeen to three, and this game ended twenty to fourteen. Yep, that's a little bit concerning. So that's what I'm saying, my G. You know, and and, and look, kind of similar to to. I mean, the stat lines for for Tyler Van Dyke are great and all, but even still, I mean, dog, like, bro, it's, in college football, like that's okay for like NFL rookies, bro. You're in college football, homie. I, I don't know if it was Van Dyke. I didn't see the game and all that, but like. I'm expecting this to be, you know, a 42 point, you know, victory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the where where they're being able to generate offense and get down the field and get, you know, more than just two touchdowns. I mean, thankfully, like I said, Tyler Van Dyke was on his P's and Q's, right? Because he was able to sustain a drive to kill out the rest of the clock. He ran for a first down on a third and nine, um, or third and six, excuse me. Ran for nine yards, got the first down, showing his mobility, and that's ultimately what iced the game. But these penalties, 17 penalties for 159 yards. Like, those are both season highs. 17 penalties, bro? 
That's that's stupid. Where's the discipline? Where's the where's the acknowledgement of where your position needs to be? How you guys are playing? Those are things that come from coaching. 17 penalties. That's dogs. straight up. You could only point to coaching. Say the kids had a brain fart, all this stuff. Okay, whatever. But somebody has to put these kids in their place and say, hey, yo, this is not Miami Hurricanes football, what you guys are doing out there. I don't care if you get beat. I don't care if the other guy gets you on this play or if you make a great play. Play clean football. You know how to do that. You've been doing it your whole life. And now all of a sudden here on, on the biggest stage of your career, you're going to want to have penalties and stupid penalties at that? Nah, not acceptable, man. Not acceptable, especially with, again, I hate to harp on it, but the coaching staff, bro. Got to get control of this program. Got to get control of this defense. We have to, bro. It's too early in the season. There's there's so much left to play for, right? Big games, uh, primetime games against FSU. Like, there's a bunch of stuff to play for. We need to do this, and we need to do it right now. Continue this streak. Go out there and beat Duke handedly. What, what streak? Well, <laughs> the mean streak, the mean streak, because look, the week before, uh, they lost that game, but it wasn't on the offense. The offense did his thing. We saw Tyler Van Dyke do his thing, sure. 400 or something yards. Sure. That was a defensive game. Right. Right. And we lost it. Which I, that's why I don't understand why Vic is trying to defend them. I mean, Vic, because Vic if you, has the best view in the house. No, dude, because if like, you look, how are you not seeing that they're, they're costing the Hurricanes games? It's, it's kind of what I was saying with the, with the Dolphins, right? Where we know that they have players who are talented. Right, but they just so happen to not be meeting the standard. Dolphins are not meeting our standards. Right I, now. I disagree with you, though. But what? The numbers are telling you that they're bad. Twenty seventh in defense in pass defense is bad. Joel. We're, we're not going to go back. We're not the going Dolphins back talk. to what. I'm, same thing with the with the Hurricanes. I agree with you there. The middle Their defense when, is bad. When your stats are in the middle of the country, you're a bad defense because there's so many teams. If they were in that top echelon, right? right Sure. Then, then it'd be a different story. And they're not that far from there. That's why Vicks defend them. But I don't see the playmaking ability consistently. The turnovers, right? We haven't we haven't seen them. Um, I have to give a shout-out to um, uh, Keem Mesador. Uh, defensive lineman, had a hell of a game. Eight tackles, eight solo tackles, three and a half sacks. Killing it. Leading the team in sacks with six this year. Damn, um, that's probably the defensive MVP right there. He's killing it, you know? And again, that's on the D-line. It needs to be in the backfield because we're not getting killed up front. This team is not getting ran on like that. This team is getting thrown on. Big difference, man. Let's see. Go out there, beat Duke. Look impressive. Let I mean, the offense continue on. to this go has, out there. This has to be a victory. Hey, bro. What's the line? I wonder what the line is on this. I think the Hurricanes were favored by four to start because it's at home. But you still need to go out there and impress and beat an ACC opponent who's worthy. Because right now, the Hurricanes, like you and I have, have said before, bro, those guys can't afford to sleep on anybody, you know? Nor should they. Nor should they be sleeping on anybody. They need to go out there and put up good performance after good performance after good performance and hope that when they run into FSU that they'll have built enough momentum where they can go out there and feel real, real confident about that game, dog. They are eight-point favorites. Over I the, don't the know, dog. The Duke Blue Devils. I don't know, dog. You feel comfortable with that eight-point lead? Uh, I don't. They got the over-under at 60. Yeah, it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Duke is good, man. Four and three on the season, one and two in the conference. We're one and one in the conference. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, eight points. Hey. <laughs> they, they only they only got they only got to win this week by six. 
Look, both against Virginia Tech. We hype up Tyler Van Dyke, all this stuff. He's a great quarterback, great quarterback, great quarterback. The quarterback that's coming in here, Leonard, just as good. 1,500 yards on the season, nine touchdowns, four INTs. Tyler Van Dyke numbers, you ask? Six, 1,656 yards, nine touchdowns, four INTs. We're looking at ourselves in the mirrors here. It's just a matter of executing, playing clean football. Can the Hurricanes do that? Because if they do, they're blowing out Duke for sure. But if they don't, Duke's gonna be in the game. Let's see. I got the I got the Hurricanes the Kings, winning. The Kings gotta win. This they gotta game. win this game. I got it, I got it like forty two to twenty one, some shit like that. If they lose this game, they're gonna be putting they're gonna be asking for Cristobal's head on the spike. Bro, you know what I'm gonna be doing I know. if they lose. So it's uh, not gonna be pretty. I'll get the tissue ready. Yeah, I'm not crying for this team. Um, I w- I would cry for the Heat though if they won a championship, bro. If they won, I think depending on the night and how many drinks I had. Speaking of, might get a tear. Speaking of odds, bro. They have us, the experts, the yeah. quote unquote experts. Yeah, let's have us that. in the playing tournament. How disrespectful is that, Joel? We just did. I'm sorry. Were the who was the Eastern Conference mm, final between? It was the Boston Celtics and the team from South Miami. Like, uh, the, the, yeah, the, it's the team that us. That's right. The Jersey, the Miami is the Miami Heat, and yet they have us, the same team, projected. Barely making the playoffs at the eighth AC. They got seven other teams projected ahead of us, dog. This is my camera right here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do your thing. If you like to gamble, go gamble on the Miami Heat winning the championship this year. Go gamble on the Miami Heat being in the top four this year because those are going to be guaranteed winners. Bro, you heard bro. it right here from your boy. Bro, so I, like, I want to go put money on the conference. Like, they need to go win the conference, bro. Like, with those odds. It's wild, my dog. It is wild, the disrespect that the Heat get. And and I get it, right? If you look at it from a national standpoint, we didn't sign any big names. We were in the mix for Kevin Durant, and then we weren't. And then we re-signed Tyler, but people aren't really convinced about Tyler and all this stuff. And meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, well, we pretty much have one of the defensive players of the year in BAM, who's fully healthy and probably working on his offensive game. Um, we got the reigning MVP of the playoffs and Jimmy Butler coming in with a new look, a new attitude, fresh off a season, a, a, a good rest this offseason. And then we got Tyler Hero, um, motivated as hell, just signed his contract, dying to go out there and prove that he can be a starter in the NBA. And then we got two more interesting players to add to the mix. We have a guy on his redemption trail, which is Kyle Lowry. Um, he was at the Dolphins game this Sunday looking slim, might I add. And he looks like he's ready to take on the challenge of an 82-game season. And, of course, the guy that we talked about last time, Victor Oladipo, with so much to prove. Like, I don't get how this team is being, like, underlooked. But I think they love being the underdogs. I think they love that shit, man, because it just drives them to be even better. I've always, I've always said that. I don't mind us being the other dog because that way we fly under the radar. Everybody focuses in on the Kevin Durant and the mm-hmm. LeBron James mm-hmm. and, you know, all those other guys. And oh, then, you mean the LeBron James that missed the playoffs last year with the Lakers? Yeah. That wild, wild, wild. And the Kevin Durant that got knocked out what, the first round last, last year? Wild, dog. That guy. But... I get it. You know, those are the biggest players in the, in the NBA, and the NBA cares about that's all. You know, Adam Silver cares about is the story and the headlines and all that. Facts. Um, so that that this is not brand new to us, dog. We've seen South Florida teams not have any respect on them until they finally win, 
And then they're like, oh, shit, we should have known this all along. Here's your trophy. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is, but I agree. I think that that does drive them to see that, that, that you know, to see that the Celtics are ahead of them again, right, you know, which is our, our arrival, to see that the Nets, who already had their chance, are ahead of us again. The Bucks, right, that the Bucks, yeah, they won a championship a couple of years ago. They got the Greek freak, one of the best players in basketball, but we beat those guys. We can handle those guys, you know. Uh, Cleveland, you know, now they just added a piece that we were maybe in contention to get. And now Cleveland all of a sudden is moving up in the ranks. It's like, really? They haven't even done anything yet, bro. We have. We've like, we have pretty much the same unit as we've had for the last three years. And guess what? We've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals two out of those three years. And we won it one time and went to the finals. Yes. And, and when we, and every time we've done so, it's been with impressive performance from one of our young players, Jimmy. Bam. Hero, a Duncan game here and there, a Struz game here and there. Like, I, I don't get why consistency is so overrated in the NBA. And I and I don't mean it like in a dis, disrespectful way, but I'm not going to say I'm, I'm 100% comfortable with just running it back, but we're not running it back because we had to readjust last year and we had to figure out a ways to deal with Bam being injured, Jimmy missing games, Kyle being out for so long. There was a lot of things happening within that season that by the time we got to the postseason where everybody was healthy and available, it was like, well, shit, now let's try to figure out how to play together. I feel like this year is going to be different. Well, I know this year is going to be different because of those motivating factors that I had mentioned earlier. Like Kyle Lowry being freaking in fit, like shape, skinny, looking like he's ready is super, super scary for the rest of the of the Eastern Conference because there's no other better point guard than him. When he's on, he's like one or two a with Kyrie Irving as far as point guards go in, nah, the, in think, the East. I think you're wild. I think Kyrie is is, is way ahead. But they're I think, one two. I think Kyle Lowry does have a lot to offer. Right, like if Kyle Lowry is on on the Kyle Lowry that everybody knows, the guy scoring from three point line like nobody's business, dishing out nine assists like nobody's business, locking down defenders like nobody's business. If he's that guy on the court this year for the Heat. I got him again, one and two with Kyrie Irving in the East, right? Yeah, in the East. Um, and a, a lot, a lot of people would disagree with that, but I just yeah. know, I just know what type of game Kyle Lowry has and how useful it could be for the Miami Heat, right? Because in the games that he did play well, shit, it made a big difference, especially for Bam. And we need a lot more from Bam. Um, I don't know, man. I got, I got the Heat finishing third this year in the East, just behind a surprising. A surprising Milwaukee Bucks team, right? Who's going to be second. And I think the East this year is going to go to the Celtics. You think they run it back again? I think that they're going to have so much heat on them that 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 team is going to hunker down, right? And like exclude the complete outside world and just focus on their basketball. And they're going to be motivated to to win as many games as they can. Yeah, just like us, they have a lot of the same pieces. Yeah, absolutely. There's one thing that is going on. And that's the behind the scenes. Oof. Their head coach sleeping around with executives' wives and things like that. I don't know, dog. Damn, I mean, no, you ain't got to say it like that, would well, it? Well, I mean, hey, bro. Hey, I call it, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't, it ain't nothing new if you ain't heard about it. Now you know. Yes, sir. But there's there's turmoil in that locker room. And, bro, that, that shit could trickle down, you know, all the way down to the players, you know. Um, who knows? So I, I really don't know. I mean, dog, I'm delusional through and through for my Miami sports. I don't got nobody beating us, dog. We got the one seed this past year in a season where we struggled with Kyle Lowry, in a season where Bam was hurt for the first two, three months, in a season where, 
you know, Duncan sucked, sucked, didn't have his three point shot that he had the year before. We still managed to get the one seed, dog. So I'm hoping those other things hash themselves out. And if they do, we should be back in that one seed bigger and badder than we were last year, dog. Forget about it. Let's not forget about it. No, I, I get you, dog. And and health is the major thing, right? Because we saw what happened, what the injuries did to the Brooklyn Nets. And us losing our guys sporadically within the season definitely set us back. But once we got everybody together, maybe we were cooking with oil. And uh, if these guys can stay healthy, then yeah, hell yeah, we're going to be a problem for a lot of teams, bro. Defensively, we're a hell of a unit. Like, let's be honest. Um, can other teams score the ball better than us? Probably. But... You know, you're going to have to do that on a consistent basis. And we're betting that our defense is going to be much better as a unit. You know what I mean? Not just individually, right? Where we were relying a lot on Bam and Jimmy. As a unit, this defense is going to be just a lot better, bro. A lot better. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, let's, Since we did the pick for the seed in the conference, you got them finishing first. I got them finishing third. Let's head over to our next topic of discussion which is the most improved player now there's a couple of guys that are definitely gonna be uh motivated right to be the most improved player who do you think is gonna show the most this season from what they did last year man i don't know if he's gonna show the most but at least i'm hoping and Mm. it's the guy we just finished talking about man it needs to be kyle lowry that's a great one i think that jimmy we know what we get with jimmy you know in a season where where um, heroes coming off six man of the year. You know, my woes with Hero is not in the regular season. I know 82 games he can produce and he can take over games. I need him to step it up when we get to the postseason. So uh, it's I'm not questioning you know his ability, and, and I'm not saying he's going to be the improved one. Bam, I mean yeah, he can improve, but bro, Bam's already pretty much there. Yeah, you know, I think the guy that we really needed you know a little bit more from last year, a lot more often than 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 not was was Kyle Lowry. So mm. I'm really expecting Expecting Kyle Lowry to be the Heat's, Miami Heat's most improved player this year. That's a great take, man. And um, I think he feels that way too, right? Where he has to be the most improved player on this team. For me, it's 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 a little bit different because I want to see what this guy has as far as contract value goes and what we can offer him. It's Max Struess. I want to see if he can play well enough to steal Oladipo's spot or just take that second that backup spot. You know, when Kyle comes out, when uh, Hero comes out, if he can solidify himself as that six man, everybody's looking at Victor Oladipo for all the right reasons. Right. But Max has been here. He's been kind of consistent. He's a dog when it comes to defense. And we know that he's not afraid of the big moment. I'm not saying that Victor is afraid of the big moment, but just what Max has shown us, right, as as far as that grit that he has as an NBA player, I just really think that it's valuable. Um, it's something that goes unnoticed. It's kind of like what Draymond has going on for him, where he's not necessarily a baller, but he does a little bit of everything, and he hustles, and he plays hard as fuck. I, I feel like Max Drews is going to be our most improved player. And that's crazy to say that because he already has been climbing you know, every yeah. month it seems like, but I think I he, just feel like he's ready to take a leap. I think he was our most improved player last year. I would have put it on Hero. Uh, six he, for him to jump to six man and win an a, award like that. You know what I mean? A, a national award that's pretty big. That, that is big, and and yeah, I get that. But man, the the, the bad taste in my mouth is with still, the playoffs. But that's the, on with everybody the, too. With the playoffs and Struess. Played big in the playoffs. We started Struess in the playoffs. Struess started a lot of games for he, us in the regular season. And he and closed out a lot of games. And he, he hit big shots that got us back in the game. So, like, to me, last year, he did that improving. Um, so, I, I don't know. If Max Struess improves to your to your 
credit. Neat. I mean, bro, that that would only be that much better for us. Crazy, like, right? Forget like for, about it. If he takes, and again, that's From, what I compared to what he did last year. If he gets better than that. Forget about it. That's the way I'm seeing it, right? Like, you mentioned Kyle Lowry. I want to see Lowry go from here where he was last year to here. You know, same thing with with Struess. He's climbing his way up. But if he can go from here to here, it's like, oh, shit. This is the guy for the future. Let's lock this guy down, you know, and have him with the rest of the young studs that we have here. You ever think to yourself, you got to stop living over here and start (laughs) living over there? It's 7 (laughs) a.m., dog. (laughs) If you know, you know, if dog. If you know, you know. If you know, you know, and, man. But, yeah, now that we got the most improved player out of the way. <laughs> Let's it, wrap it up. Let me No, not wrap it up yet. I got one here that we I didn't mention to you earlier, but I just thought about Shoot. 82 games in the season. You know, you got us in the third. I got us in the first. Over on their own vic- victories to get us in those positions. What do you think for 82 games? How many wins are he coming up with? Shit. For them to get to third. Let me see where they finished last year. Because I'm anything over 43 wins, right? 43 wins should get you in that in that spot or in that range. Let's see. Let's see. So we finished the season at 53 and 29 last Ooh. year. And that was for the first, right? Yeah, we finished first in the conference with 53 wins. So I guess going off of that, overrun, there's going to be 53. I mean, the number's definitely going to go, be. Let's go 52. Over the, under. It's going to be... Fuck. Fuck. Under 52. You think we're winning less than 52 games this year? The only reason why I say that is because the top teams are going to beat each other up. Like, look, we haven't even mentioned the 76ers, dog. You know what I mean? We haven't mentioned the 76ers. We haven't mentioned uh, Cleveland with them getting Donovan Mitchell. What was that going to... What that dynamic is going to look like? A lot of new pieces in the East. But for the teams that we can rely on ourselves... Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Toronto to an extent. Those are teams that are going to beat each other up. Like we rarely see the Heat sweeping the Celtics or the Celtics sweeping the 76ers, you know, in their in their three matchups. Yeah, there's a lot of exchange. We're going to exchange wins and losses there. So I think like those matchups is going to be like, well, can you sweep everybody else? Can you beat Atlanta three times in a season? Can you beat Orlando th- four times? Three, four times in a season. Yeah. You know, Charlotte, how many games can you get out of Charlotte? Which is going to be a potential playoff team for, for people battling. Sure. Those are the games that we're going to have to get to kind of make it. But if the over under is 52, I'm going to go call it under. 50. Let's call it 50. Over then. You got to go. You gotta, over 50 wins? You got to get 51. We got to We got to go over You want 50. top four guaranteed? You got to get 51. You got to get 50. You got to get over 50. I agree. All right. You got to get over 50. Yeah. For sure. Um, man, 50 and 32 is a phenomenal season, man. Hey, listen, bro. Come on, man. Like... <laughs> You know, fifty last year, fifty three and twenty nine, first in the East, and they still got us not winning it this year, dog. It's disrespectful, dog. We're gonna put money on it. Don't worry about it, dog. I got a cousin in Colorado. He's got us. Wild. We good. We good. What else do we have on? Let's end it with the honorary MV three. MVP. Why not the MVP? Why the MVP? Because this is a, a honor that we're bestowing again for the great and powerful Dwayne Flash. Jo- uh, Wade I was going to say Dwayne Jones Dwayne like Jones um, Yeah I was going to make the joke But you know Dwayne Wade obviously The greatest Heat player Of all in time history You know There's no doubt about that No matter who comes down the line It is Dwayne Wade So the MV3 We're going to do the MV3 Who's your MVP For this season Man I mean I'm wearing the guy's jersey Right now dog Damn we think Jimmy's going to do it again what? Everybody hey, bro, This team that runs guy? through 
Jimmy, dog. This is his team. And yeah, we need the role players to do the help, to assist them, to get the rebounds, to move without the ball and get into the positions where they need to be, that Jimmy can help make the plays and take over when he needs to. I mean, we've seen it for the last three years, so uh, there's there's that, that guy, forget about it. Nobody on our team is coming close to that guy's uh, Importance? like place right now as far as the totem pole for the Heat. He has the highest seat on the totem. I can He's definitely the, the the top of the totem pole, right? For sure. I feel like the guy who's coming for his spot is my MV three, and that's Bam. I knew you were gonna go there. And the reason why I say it is because if Bam doesn't miss that month and a half that he had, I think between the All Star break, January through like March or whatever, yeah, with his thumb injury, yeah, he's, he's it, arguably in the running for it, defensive player of the year. And not only that, he probably gets to twenty five points per game on the season. Imagine that, a 25-point game per season um, along with a 12 to 13 rebound point per game season for Bam, what that would look like. 25 and 12. If he can do that, dog, that's stuff that, like, elite big men do. You know what I mean? We need him doing that. And we need him doing that. So if if we're going to make that jump to be first or be third and really contend for the championship, we need Bam to show that progress that he was showing last year and just stay consistent. Be healthy, do your thing, and you can get to that 25 and 13. And if this team can get 25 and 13 from Bam every game, that's just even less pressure on Jimmy. He's going to be playing more freely. Hero's going to be playing more freely. Kyle Lowry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bam is the guy for me this year, dog. He's the key. If he if he gets it cranked up, dog, this team is going to be nasty because we'll be defensively sound, completely defensively sound, with our big man being able to put up points and not just relying on a guard, <clears throat> let's see. For me, I want to see Bam's um, development on the offensive side of the ball. Fair. On defense, I know what I'm getting with Bam out of bio. He can cover every position at the same exact time. For sure. But on offense, there's still question marks for me as far as how small at times he plays, in my opinion, down low, you know, in the low yeah, post yeah. or inside the paint, um, not getting to the rim, you know, how he should, in my opinion, with his size, you know, kind of letting guys overpower him and then not drawing the contact or drawing the foul properly and then just getting the ball stripped from him as he's trying to go up for a layup instead of a dunk or something. Yeah, maybe, man. Or a little, like, chip, like, hook shot, like... I want to see how what work he's done this offseason on the offensive side. Has he developed any new game, any new shots? Does he have a clean 15-footer, 20-footer? You know what I mean? Does he have a, th- a, a three-point shot? Maybe like a Bosch. I think we've talked about that yeah. before. You know, can he develop? That mid-game that, range. Or, or, mid-range or, game. or that three-point shot like Bosch, you know, where yeah. they're not expecting you to, and then boom, all of a sudden you're, you're hitting it from the corner because you're wide open down there. Nobody's expecting you to hit it, so... That's what I'm expecting from Bam um, is, is, is this season. Yeah, me too, man. And, and that's why I kind of I'm leaning on him, right? Every year that he's been in the league, his points per game has gone up yeah, and yeah. up and yeah, up and up and up. better every year. Every year. So if he can make that leap where he's hitting threes or sh- hitting shots from the outside, man, that's going to be huge. Again, six year in the league, man. I, and this kid ha- has the, you know, sky's the limit for him, bro. Offensively, sky's the limit for him. Um, let's see, bro. Pisa Mañana starts I'm, Wednesday. I'm looking forward Thursday. to it, bro. I mean, I once, we get, in a while. once we get that dub on Wednesday, we're going to get that Pizza Mañana rolling on Thursday, you know, slide the code in the Instagram or in social media so what you guys can hook it up. 7.30 tip off, you know, against the Chicago Bulls to start the season. And we're going to start the season with a dub. Your boy Soso said it, man. Yeah. Gonna get that dub. I'm not even gonna. Uh, you know, you know what I'm going with. Yeah, man. You know what? Before we jump into this uh, 
interview that we have with Jesse to talk combat sports. I want to give a brief shout out to the Florida Panthers. They're playing right now up in Boston, currently down one to one, actually just tied it right now in the second period, one to one against Boston. And uh, they've looked impressive, bro. First two games, victories, right? Yes, sir. And Matthew Kachuk getting in there. Like I told you, already, if he can, off, rip. already off rip, has an assist, has a goal, looking good, um, looking comfortable with this team. And I, I really feel like this is, I don't want to say that this is the year, right? Because then we're saying this every year about the Panthers, no, but, but this is the year so but this come is on. the year dog this is so the year to get grab that hockey puck man put that thing on camera <laughs> let's this go is the year. this is the year for the freaking panthers to to make some noise man and and i'm not even saying win the, the stanley cup i am yeah we've been knocking put on the us door there for the last put two, us there the last two seasons put us there if they win the 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 game to uh the the conference championship and get in, get us into the stanley cups that's for me as a casual Panthers fan, yeah. more than enough. I agree. If we playoff get, if we hockey, dogs make it to the championship. Come on, baby! Everybody we, loves playoff we, hockey. Yeah, we made it past the first round this year. They second make it past round, the second. Now we we gotta now, get. Now we gotta get we there, gotta get baby. Over that we gotta get there. You know, and and like I said, the Panthers team is looking really good, really gelled defensively so far. Let's see if they'll be able to get this dub tonight. We'll show you the result later on tonight on our social media platforms. Um, but for right now, let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Jesse, friend of the program, where we break down combat sports over the weekend. And we got friend of the program, Jesse, joining us to recap the weekend in combat sports. Jesse, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, man. What a, what a week of sports this week. Yeah, man, and a great weekend in boxing and in MMA, too. We saw some amazing fights, um, I, I, and I know that you and I were texting uh, through Saturday night as we were watching all these fights unfold, man. Um, let's start first with the Deontay Wilder versus Robert Hellenius. Both of these guys were sparring partners when uh, Wilder was getting ready for Tyson Fury, and you know, Fury, uh, Wilder suffered those three losses. He's trying to make his way back, and he ultimately got a first-round knockout with three seconds left against his former training partner. How do you think he looked that week, that weekend? Yeah, I think the biggest difference with Deontay Wilder from what we saw uh, back in his last couple trilogy fights with uh, Tyson Fury is that we have saw them lead, the leanest we've ever seen him. Yes, sir. You know, he came in at 214 pounds versus his former training partner at 253 pounds. You know, so we all know that he has the power, right? Um, and we know he has the speed. So I think that he really honed in on taking advantage of the power and the speed by leaning out and coming in probably a little bit faster. Uh, I think this was one of the most impressive performances he ha he's had. Um, he hit him with a short clip shot, you know, not even a whole lot of turn in his hips. Uh, it was just a really precise shot. And, man, what a performance by Deontay. What a way to come back. You know, you mentioned his speed being so lean, and I think that's what got him the knockout, right? Because he he was in real close distance with with Robert, but that speed of that inside right hook is what really caught him, you know, caught Robert by surprise. And obviously the power behind this guy's punches, you know, and that's short range, right, Joel? Like anybody's going to get knocked out. Yeah, I mean, for, for, just for me, man, it's it's the question is, you know, we, we know he has the knockout power, right? He's always had that knockout power. That's right. what Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber, you know, that's what he's known for, right? But the, the, the issue with me lies is, you know, with Fury being his arch nemesis is the mm. endurance hasn't been there for him. That's what failed him. And, yeah, it's cool to get a first-round knockout. We know you can do that, but it doesn't show us those later-round fights. So a fight like this, you know, don't get me wrong, I love the knockout. That's what we want to see from our heavyweights. Right. But, you know, it, it, what I always think about in the back of my mind with Deontay is 
can he, you know, he, he's leaning out, but can he, you know, hold that, hold that down, punch. hold that endurance down through, through the whole fight when he's dealing with a, you know, a Tyson Fury or somebody else who's I that mean, big. I mean, it's Tyson Fury right now, really. That's his biggest, his biggest opponent, his biggest like hurdle, his biggest obstacle, right? Yeah, but I think Tyson Fury is done with him. I don't know. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, I mean, I think Tyson Fury has a lot of options, uh, but I think Deontay Wilder has a lot of options too. He's just an exciting fighter. He's like that one of those boxers. There's, he's one of these one-in-a-lifetime boxers that moves uh, and shoots really, really hard compared to any other heavyweight. For sure. Um, I think that if he would have maybe cut a little bit more weight in his initial fight with uh, you know, Tyson Fury, I think it would have been a little bit different. I think that was the key to the fight is that he should have came in a lot lighter given Tyson Fury is a big guy. He moves really well. Uh, he comes from a boxing background. He has all the credentials. Um, so I get the fact that he didn't want to come in too light um, to compromise any of the other skills that he has in terms of speed, agility, precision. Um, I think that it's an interesting fight, but we don't want to – I don't know if we want to see that fight again. I think we have to build it up. I think this was a good another quick win for Deontay Wilder, but let's get him some ring time. Let's see him a little bit more. Let's build it up a little bit more. And if – Tyson Fury hasn't retired or got bored by then. You know, we'll see what happens. I think that'll be an interesting way to build it up. For sure. I think you both make good points, right? And like Joel said earlier, right, we kind of want to see Wilder get into a fight where he's tested and going into the deep waters of later rounds, right? Like 8th, 10th round, 12 rounds, even though we have seen him, but not as as consistently, right, because he has that knockout power. Um, Real quick, just to kind of wrap up on Deontay Wilder, who would you guys rather have him fight next? Um, There's Alexander Usek, right, who's holding some belts, a very popular fighter, Um, not a big dude. There's Andy Ruiz out there who's you know making a good name for himself on his comeback trail and you have a guy a guy like Anthony Joshua across the pond you know who's a big dude good opponent could possibly offer the you know Deontay a different challenge you know who would you guys rather see him fight I would like to see him fight Anthony Joshua Mm, me too that would be my pick I think that's a good fight uh maybe in Europe UK that would be a big fight and I think that it, they complement each other because when you look at Ruiz, Ruiz is a low, smaller guy, True. you know, heavier, lower base, great boxer, great endurance. But I don't think that's like stylistically, it's not a fight that people are, you know, knocking on the door for. I think Usyk having all the belts and, you know, uh, having a, a winning record, I think that'll be a more interesting fight for him. I, I think the Usyk fight would be a good fight in, in that sense. I really agree with that, but I don't know the kind of draw right now that it would bring. Um, they might want to build that up. Um, with um, Ruiz, I don't, I don't think he can hang with, with Deontay Wilder. I mean, I, I know anything's possible. I know he's had some big wins and stuff, but I just don't think right now, you know, that would be also another fight that would have that draw. I think the Joshua fight would have that draw that they, they may want. Um, and me personally, I, I don't really care for Joshua. I think he's kind of soft for a big man. And I kind of want to see Deontay Wilder rock that kid. Yeah, I'd rather see that fight too, you know, and it's a two big guys. Um, and I think the matchup is there. At least the hype up would be there for that fight immediately. Uh, let's see what happens, man. You know, hopefully these guys, um, can meet somewhere, right? And say, you know what? Let's put on a, a show for the fans because people always are interested in, uh, heavy white, heavyweight fights. Um, let's get to the little smaller guys in weight class, right? And, and for sure only by weight because they also carry power punches and they can also dominate divisions. We saw Devin Haney, um, you know, defend his, uh, unanimous lightweight 
belt situation this weekend against George Cambosos in Australia yet again. Um, and, and he looked really impressive doing it, man. Got a 12, uh, got the unanimous decision. Fight went 12 rounds, but I don't know about you, man. He impressed the hell out of me that Saturday night. Yeah. And, th- and this was a similar outcome to the first fight. You know what? Give or take more or less the same way. Right. Um, but it was very impressive. I think that, um, Cambosos made a lot of adjustments from the first fight, but Devin Haney, the speed, the precision, man, it's just sometimes that beats everything, right? The timing. Um, and I think that he did a good job of anticipating what his opponent was going to work on. And then he worked on other areas that he didn't, you know, his opponent didn't anticipate he would get better in. Um, For sure. And, and I don't, I, I'm pretty sure you, you can agree with this, but I kind of felt like George took more risk this fight, right? Like the first fight, he was defending his belt. He didn't really want to lose in his hometown. So he kind of played it a little bit too safe, right, against a guy like Devin Haney. And in this, in this fight, we saw a complete different change in his game plan where he's more of the aggressor, trying to throw more punches. And all that did was pretty much allow himself to get teed up by Devin Haney because Devin Haney put a whooping on this guy. You know, he had him bleeding by both sides of his head. Um, he landed more jabs, 80, than Cambosos landed punches, which was, I believe, like 76, which is crazy, right? Because that just shows you the difference in dominance between Devin Haney and Cambosos, who's a former champ. It pays to have a good jab, dog. Yes, sir. <laughs> the diversity of his strikes, I think, was the key to the win. Oof. Because he just didn't go to head. He didn't just throw hooks. He was moving, again, circling away from the power shots. And then putting the combinations, he was setting up power combinations with the jab. So he'll pump the jab, you know, lightly, not to not to really inflict any damage, but to gauge its distance to then throw his combinations. Uh, and then he worked the body. Like boxing, it, it, if you're not working the body, that's just a missed opportunity. And I think he did a great job of capitalizing on that. For sure. He looks so impressive, man. And this is another guy, right? Like we just talked about with Deontay Wilder. The only difference is that he's actually dominating that lightweight division. He cleared it out. Um, he could face whoever next, Diofimo. He could face uh, Vasily Lomachenko next. Uh, me, personally, I would kind of like to see him go after Lomachenko and say, you know what? Yeah, you kind of lost the belts with Theofimo, and this guy ended up getting the belts, but I'd rather go out there and beat you and show the world that I'm capable of beating a world-class um, great fighter Hall of Fame fighter like uh, Lomachenko is. Isn't Lomachenko in war right now? No, he's actually back, man. He's <laughs> I was back. about to say, he's like, back. is this guy fighting for his country right now? He was, and that he missed an opportunity <laughs> to fight for for a, a belt with Cambosos, you know, and Devin Haney stepped up and took that opportunity. So I'm wondering if Devin Haney does the right thing and goes after the Lomachenko fight. Has to. Mm. And I think you made a great point. That's a great uh, path for him to get all that uh, you know, to acquire all that buildup in the box. It's hard to build up fighters in boxing, man. Yeah, Everybody has a, there's so many belts. There's a lot of undefeated fighters. Right. This is a guy that has to carve his way. And Lomachenko would be a great uh, first target and then work your way up. Cause I think uh, Teal is, it will probably be the best matchup for him, but it's better to save that one. You know, for after, if he gets that win against... Maybe in a higher weight class, too, right? I would like to see those guys added, like, at maybe 142, 147. Because I feel like that's where all the good fighters are heading towards, right? They're heading to that 147 division. No doubt. But I do, I do think he has to take that fight. I think that is his next fight. It's the smartest fight he can take. And, for sure. Uh, great path for him. 
For sure. You know what? Um, we can't talk about boxing and not mention this fight that took place in England in the O2 arena between Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, um, where the undisputed middleweight championship belts were on the line. And Clarissa Shields, man, um, she's from Flint, Michigan. Kind of boxes like Floyd a little bit, has that same type of swag, went out there with her American gear, and she went out there and did the damn business, bro, and really earned that unanimous decision. And for me personally, as a, a real-time, big-time supporter of women in sports and women's sports in general, I was amazed and proud to see so many people in that arena, A, to watch this uh, championship fight, two championship fights, actually, because there was one on the undercard as well, or the co-main event. But just to see Clarissa go out there in front of the world, essentially, and put out a great performance and show why she's the best boxer in the world right now. I didn't catch the fight. How was it? It was awesome, bro. I mean, she, it was unanimous. I know you mentioned that. Yeah, but you know what? You got to give credit to Savannah because she really stood in front of Clarissa. She landed some really heavy blows and was working her uh, in towards her game plan. But Clarissa was definitely the sharper of the two. And, and you could tell she has more skills. What's interesting about that is that this was a rematch fight. They actually fought in the Olympics as amateurs. And Savannah got the better of Clarissa. This was the one fight she was really looking forward to. And you you can speak to this, Jesse. She looked like she really wanted to go out there and win this fight in the entire 10 rounds. And there was one winner in this fight, but there was no real losers. Facts, bro. Both these women were so impressive. I was, I was honestly impressed with Savannah's uh, durability, her perseverance. Man, she took some shots, she yes, took sir. some body shots, took some head shots. She took every shot you can possibly put together. And she did not take too many steps back. She took a couple steps back, 12 rounds. You know, that's a lot of rounds. But she was pushing forward through the shots, eating them. And I, I didn't see her waver, man. So I, I give her credit. I think Clarissa, you know, being a three, first three-time champ in three different divisions. That's impressive, Fighting man. someone who has the same record as her, 12-0. and 0, and, uh, and to put a performance like that, you know, not in your homeland is impressive. Absolutely, bro. You said it. There were no losers in this fight, man, because um, what these women did for the sport of boxing, you know what I mean? And like what's coming ahead for women's boxing, how it's gaining that that notoriety, that popularity. Uh, I, th I just think it was such a great event to have over the weekend. And of course, we got to do our justice of talking about it here, man. Um, let's let's get into your a little bit more of your well. Yeah, a little bit more of your expertise here when we're talking about MMA. Um, there was one real important fight on this card over the weekend between Jonathan Martinez and Cub Swanson because there was a lot of hype about the new and improved Cub Swanson and how he was able to get back from his injuries and being out of the game for a little bit. And I was kind of expecting to see some fireworks on him, right? Because that's the type of fighter he is. And this dude, Jonathan Martinez, just surprised the hell out of the world, man. No bigger win for Jonathan Martinez, man. Win over the future Hall of Famer. This guy already has a jacket. You know, first time he goes down in weight in, you know, over 10 years that right. he's fighting in that weight class. So that was a big, you know, that takes some of your tank, some of your power, some of a little bit of everything, really. Right. Uh, going to fight somebody that's a bigger fighter in that weight class who should probably, could probably even fight at a lighter weight class, but he's just a big, stocky guy for that weight class. I think he underestimated him a little bit mm. in this fight. I, I didn't think he really, uh, just based off of what I saw in the first couple rounds, the grappling, every thought, everyone thought, you know, Cub Swanson was going to have the advantage in the grappling department when you're going to clinch, put him against the, the cage. He did get it. He landed an early takedown in the fight. Yep. Um, and it, and then within five seconds, you know, he reversed him. And then at that point, it was like, well, 
well, we got to see what happens from here because now, you know, this guy's reversing your positions uh, in the grappling department. So now he's forcing you to strike, you know, he's right. forcing you to strike because if you take him down, he's fresh. So I think um, this was a tough one for Cub. And I, and I feel it. I feel it. I think he underestimated him a little bit. Absolutely, man. And and you said it. It's a tough loss because it's such a devastating blow, right? Like we off. I, I felt like he was going to lose that fight eventually, right? Even if it went to the cards. Uh, but the way that he lost with an inside leg kick that really did like destroyed part of his knee, it felt like because the way he went down was just immediate from the impact. I'm sure that that's not the way, obviously that's not the way he planned for that fight to go, but it's one of the ways that you hate to see somebody lose who's on that comeback trail. And all props to Jonathan Martinez, man, went out there, put on a hell of a performance, um, showed that he can hang with the people who have that high caliber of MMA skills, and I'm looking forward to seeing his next fight, man. Yeah, man, this is a guy that has 12 fights in four years. He's active. Active. You know, he's been in the UFC since 2018. And he is uh, he's a younger guy that seems to put it all together, man. He his leg kicks are reminiscing of Jose Aldo, uh, but also Giga uh, Chigatsi. <laughs> so he looks a little he looks kind of like an infused version, like a newer type of striker. This guy was throwing kicks from the back foot from either position, either foot. He's an ambidextrous leg striker which is crazy right like there's very few guys that we can even point back to and say yeah these guys can kick with both legs i, I the, off the top of my head i'm only thinking about anderson silver and gsp those are only two guys very very few guys the way that he did it and and not only that he was just very technical in the choices that he made with his leg kicks because he didn't mm. he didn't just go leg kick calf kick inside leg kick he went body 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 and then I'm going to take down your legs. Boom. Once we started going to the calf kicks and he started switching stances, then he started landing the inside leg kick. And when he landed you know, a handful of those, you saw. Yeah, bro. His it, whole body just started shutting down. Shut down completely, man. Again, and, and we haven't seen that happen to Cub Swanson in a real long time. So that's why I, I think it was a little bit uh, fresh to see something like that happen, man. Again, shout out to Martinez, man, for that right. great TKO. Um, let's wrap this up, man, with the news that we got from Bare Knuckle FC Fighting Championship. Over the weekend, we saw Mike the Marine Richmond knock out Isaac Doolittle for the interim light heavyweight championship. Uh, we we knew a little bit about Mike the Marine because we know that he was going to fight a uh, friend of the program, Frank Ricci. Shout out to him. Um, at some point, you know, champ versus champ. But then we get the exciting news that we got Palomino uh, headlining the next uh, event down here in Hollywood, December 3rd, where which we're going to be in attendance. And our main man, Frank, is co-headlining co the event with putting his belt on the line. Um, let's talk a little bit about Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, bro. So, yeah, Jess, what do you think of the fight? Yeah, man, uh, Mike was very impressive. Uh, both these guys were, were, you know, two giant guys that came in that have a lot of experience. Really a coin flip fight, man. Uh, we, we saw early on that Mike got caught, you know, it looked like it might be over. He caught a couple big punches in the clinch, uh, tied up with Isaac. And, and Isaac landed some really clean shots, man, in the clinch. Something almost uh, reminding me of, like, dirty boxing and breaking the clinch and then throwing some shots and re-clinching. And, and, and it was just – it was it was, it was was art uh, to see him do that. But the fact that Mike took all those punches – you know, wobbled back to the corner in, in the first two minutes at the end of the round. I was like, man, this is this sport is crazy. This guy is done. You know, in my head, I'm like, oh, that doesn't look good. These are heavyweights. He's taking a lot of shots. 
But the fact that he was able to come back took more damage in the in the second round and took some more damage and then came back and really started putting together uh, the combinations and the head movement was the key to his win sure. and his comeback is because he started catching on to the, you know, to the habitual shots that uh, Isaac was throwing and started really circling the other way uh, from his power shots. Kind of the same story. Some guys, you also have to keep in mind that they have power jabs and and sometimes their right hooks, their leading right hooks are strong. Right. And you got to know that. It might not be so much their, you know, their power punch from the back that you're worried about. It might be their, you know, their, their, their technique that they're used to throwing, which could be a strike from the front foot. And I think he started catching on to this guy's throwing really hard shots from an orthodox position and, you know, started picking at the body. What won Mike this fight is that he landed extremely strong power shots to the body. And if you really watch this fight at the end of the last 10 seconds, Isaac was gassed. And he landed a perfect body shot. And that body Story. shot eliminated his tank. Yeah, for and sure. That was, and that was how he won the fight. It was the body shot that took the rest of his energy out. and He couldn't recover in 10 seconds. For sure. You, you said it. It's, it was a hell of a performance from Mike, right? And you're right. Isaac, in those first two rounds, executed his game plan to a T, where he used the clinch to really land those inside hooks, right, and inside uppercuts to to impose his damage and his will on Mike. Once Mike was able to figure that out, you, you you can tell that he started to separate from him. And he only clinched when he could take advantage of it. And something that I've noticed in watching a lot more of bare knuckle fighting is that that's where the power is, right? Because if you can clinch and your clinch dirty boxing game is good, when you separate from your opponent, you're going to be able to land the hook left or right if you can, if you have that in your arsenal. And it can be a deadly weapon. We saw it this weekend, man. Because he went to the body with it. Complete game changer. Complete yeah. game changer. He landed a couple in the in the early rounds, but I think he started fainting a little bit and kind of baiting his opponent to throw certain things so that he can counter with the hook to the body. Uh, small little things. But look, one thing I realized about this particular fight is that this is the hardest sport to bet on. Yeah, for this sure. <laughs> the hardest sports to bet any type of line on any of these fighters because you're a coin flip away at any moment in the, in the fight. So... For sure. Well, man, I'm so glad that we were able to have you on to break down these fights. And because your expertise is so on point, so clinical, it's the best. And that's why we have you on, brother. Appreciate it, man. I love being on the show. And uh, I appreciate any time you guys invite me. I love being on here. Absolutely, man. Can't look. Can't wait to do this again. And of course, we got a big fight this weekend. We're probably going to link up and catch that together, brother. Can't wait to see it. Sounds good, guys. I'll catch up with you guys soon. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being on the show, man. Yep. Later, Jess. I'll have you guys anytime. <laughs> Shout out to Jesse for joining us, man. Always love having that guy's opinion and insights with breaking it down fights. Guy sees things that you and I will never see. Bro, <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a reason why we hit him up whenever we want to talk fights. Absolutely, man. I can't wait to see his thoughts over this great UFC card that we got this weekend too, man. Hell yeah. Okay. We're, we're probably going to, well, I might be out of town, but I know you're going to link up with him probably. We'll work, so. it, we'll work it out, man. We'll work it out. Um, But yeah, bro, it's time to get to that point where we tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend while they're at it. To tell one more friend to go to our YouTube page right now. Hit that subscribe button right now and go and like our latest this video only fans week six where we break down the dolphins loss to the vikings hit that like button drop a comment let us know what you guys think about the game as well and until next time peace, peace.